Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. We're here on episode number 483 being recorded in the new year here, uh, January 10th, uh, 2024. Uh, We have some special guests here to talk about uh, the Azure VMware solution uh, today, and we'll get to them in a second here. But before that, uh, we had some news. Uh, I don't know if you guys had anything, but I had one thing I wanted to mention uh, here, and that's around uh, the quantum work uh, that we've been doing. Uh, basically, you know, Microsoft has uh, just recently announced that they're working with the U.S. Department of Energy uh, in the Pacific Northwest National Lab. Uh, that's quite a mouthful, but it's around the uh, Azure Quantum elements um, being used for uh, new battery materials and whatnot. Um, so this is using uh, some of the quantum work that we've talked about in the podcast before, along with you know traditional things like AI and, and HPC techniques and whatnot. Um, so there's been a nice a kind of write-up about you know what's going on there in that case, um, what we're working on together in that case. Uh, very technical uh, around the qubits and, and some of the quantum pieces, but it's super exciting to see that work progress, and I'm sure we'll be talking more about uh, quantum as that progresses. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else, guys. Yeah. Okay, I had a quick one over here with uh, the Azure Spring apps, uh, the Enterprise Edition. Uh, so typically, you would uh, use the pay-as-you-go model for that, and now they have uh, like a kind of savings plan that you could uh, sign up for. So if you want to take it for a year or even three years, uh, you can get up to 47% uh, savings on uh, you know compared to the pay-as-you-go plan. So if you're using uh, the Java Spring apps uh, feature in Azure that's something for you to consider. Awesome. Okay. Um, light on news this week, but that's okay. Uh, we'll dive right into it here with our special guests. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce, uh, we have two guests here today to talk about Azure VMware solution. Um, the first is uh, Elena, and then also we have Sabine. So if you guys want to take a second and uh, introduce yourselves, tell us what you do uh, in Azure, and uh, we can get into it. Sure, thank you so much for inviting us. Um, so my name's Elena Kristeva. I am a cloud solution architect who's based in our um, customer success organization. I'm based out of the United Kingdom. So I look after uh, a set of customers and help them on their cloud adoption journey. And my specialism is around Azure infrastructure. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sabine Blair. Uh, hopefully everybody can hear me. Uh, if you can't see me, I have my uh, headset on for functional purposes and not only fashion purposes. <laughs> um, but I am also a uh, cloud solution architect, senior cloud solution architect out of the customer success unit based in the Americas. And we're a global team and we focus on Azure infrastructure primarily. And one of my specialties is also the Azure VMware solution. So about 70% of the customers that I work with um, are using um, that to do their data center migrations. We'll get more into what the tool does, but that's my day to day. That's awesome. 
so I don't know who wants to start here, but maybe you could give us an overview of uh, when we're talking about things and when people hear about Azure VMware solution, what does that mean? Like, what's that made up of? Why should they care about that? Maybe we could start with that and uh, kind of dive in here. And since you want the uh, functional answer, the comical answer. <laughs> I like the com. Let's start with the comedy one. It's a new year. We'll start on a happy, on a happy, funny place. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, data center migrations, they can be a headache. I know because I've been doing them since like 2010. Um, and no matter where I go, they always come back because we're always going to be finding ways to migrate and adopt to the cloud from the cloud. And what the Azure VMware solution does is it makes that significantly easier. So prior to having VMware solutions in the cloud and doing your data center transformation, it used to be a really, really big effort. Um, simple things such as, can I bring my Windows servers over into the cloud? It's like, well, do you have software assurance? Can you map your cores? And next thing you know what you're doing, you know, Tetris and combinations and permutations with CPU and memory, just trying to get it into the cloud. Uh, so what the Azure VMware solution does is instead of just having an Azure hypervisor on Azure bare metal infrastructure, you now can bring the VMware hypervisor into Azure. And that's going to allow you now to basically keep your skill sets like for like because you're using all the tools that you're used to, like vCenter and NSXT now, but in Azure. So it helps to make your migration path a little bit more direct. Is, is oh, sorry, go ahead, Sujit. Didn't you? I didn't use my hand, and so we I, we stepped on each other. Um, yeah. We're out of practice. The first show of the new year. It, 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 Sabine, is, this is... Is the target audience for this? I know we're talking a little bit about the the VMware solution, you know, sort of by itself first before we get into the landing zone. But like, this is targeted at people that are used to using VMware on premises, right? Like, if I'm a if I'm a Hyper V on premise, this person, I'm not necessarily going to be leveraging these capabilities, right? This. Yeah, that's the primary targeted audience. If you're using VMware today on prem, then you can go ahead and use VMware today in the cloud. And kind of have okay. it be okay. pretty like for like. Okay. Okay. And just to clarify what you said, Sabina. So the uh, the solution offers a VMware uh, on a bare metal in Azure or on, um, on 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 like a VM in Azure. What is the the offering here? Mm, sure. Yeah, maybe I could cover that. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. So it's um, a VMware software defined data center stack, as they call it, or that includes everything, the VMware hypervisor, their software defined storage product. Um, it includes their, uh, you know, vCenter for management orchestration, etc. So it's all deployed on bare metal hosts. So there's no nested virtualization going on or anything like that, which means that customers can bring their workloads and have the expected um, um, performance uh, and and management that they would have had on prem. It's a very seamless transition from both a purely technical standpoint and also operational standpoint, as Sabine mentioned. What about in terms of what licensing you mentioned there uh, with VMware? So if they already have existing VMware licenses and things like that that they're using, is there anything special there with Azure? Or it's like, no, you just kind of add additional things? Or do they just spin up this thing in Azure and then they're paying Azure to do this piece? 
I mean, yeah, they've just been this up in Azure. So you don't, um, everything's included in that solution. So think about the the host, the uh, Azure VMware solution hosts as um, effectively hyper-converged environment, but in the cloud. And then that also includes all of the licenses um, for all of the VMware software products, including some of the um, uh, the products that VMware products that they can use for migration. Um, so there are benefits. Um, th there are some commercial benefits there in terms of uh, enabling customers to bring their um, Windows and VMware, um, sorry, Windows and SQL servers um, that have software assurance. So they can realize hybrid benefits there by bringing those workloads into AVS. Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely come along a bit to in pricing. Uh, so as soon as you, you know, choose to use the Azure VMware solution, um, you pretty much go in and you turn on the provider in the Azure portal, just like you would do most Azure native services. And once you give it like the IP space, it's going to go and it's going to set up all the networking. It's going to set up all the storage. It's going to have a host available. You know, once it's done deploying, you pretty much just log in. And there used to be some um, tool sets that would like require an enterprise license that have now also been included. So HCX is the main tool that it uses to facilitate migrations. And so you don't have to get a separate license for that. That comes with the solution and you get all the enterprise features. So you no longer have to get like a separate license for that. Uh, the only thing that would probably have a, an additional license if you wanted to use like a DR tool, like the site recovery manager they have, but everything else, the vCenter, the networking, it's all covered by the pricing model. When it comes to being highly available you know, in this in this kind of new solution here, and typically in VMs, we're used to things like availability zones. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's, there's ways that uh, our customers are familiar with, right, to get the, those levels of availability. How does that work with this service? Does it have, uh, does it use some of the native VMware features for availability or does it leverage something in Azure to gain additional uh, availability in the cloud? Because I think, you know, the common theme that's come up before, uh, which is the cloud, things are going to break in the cloud. You know that, right? Because it's typically commodity hardware and uh, it may not be, you know, that the gold standard hardware that customers are used to having on their data center, it's more commoditized in Azure because we have, you know, millions of them uh, that are out there in the data centers. So how does availability work in the the solution? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question because uh, when everyone comes to the cloud, that's one of the big selling points of the cloud, right? Multiple AZs. And the key thing to remember about the Azure VMware solution is that it's not necessarily a workload like a single Azure VM. It is a data center. Similar to how you have a data center on-prem, you're going to have a data center on um, Azure managed bare metal. So with that said, DR in that sense is treated in a very similar way, where if you want to go and have multiple data centers, you know, near zeros, things like that, what you would do is you would take advantage of the fact that AVS um, has wide region availability. So you can pin AVS in specific regions, what we like to call hero regions. So for example, if you're in East US and pairing it with OSUS, and then we able to peer those together. The nice thing about the Azure VMware solution is that it comes with an express route. So that's not something that you even pay for second, you know, secondary. 
an express route is going to be your circuit, your avenue into everything that you're going to do in the Azure VMware solution. And they make it so simple to peer those circuits together so that you have connectivity between them. And there's other features there as well for high availability, but it's a key thing to think about that is really at the platform level. And then in the application level itself, there are things that you could do such as placement groups and segmentation within the software defined data center, taking advantage of some things that VMware can do, you know, naturally like vhosting and shifting things around. So there's a lot of options there as well. It's not the same as a traditional virtual machine that you're pinning to AZs. You're really having to think about it from the holistic platform, which could be thousands of servers and terabytes of data, but giving you more flexibility than you would have on-prem because you're using the Azure backbone. And and you know, there it sounds like there's a ton of complexity to, you know, how to set this up and and sort of make sure I have the right network configuration and make sure I have my VMs configured right. Is that is that where the landing zone piece comes in is is to help me sort of build that framework to make sure I'm doing it right? Like how do I make sure I don't totally screw this up and then you know I flip the switch and all of a sudden nothing runs uh, when I'm running it in Azure and it ran just fine on premises. Uh, now I feel bad. I didn't mean to make it sound complicated. That's probably why I'm not in sales. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not really. I mean, in terms of provisioning, it's actually quite straightforward, right? The, the load of it is that the lot, a lot of it is automated. Um, in fact, all of it is automated because at the end of the day, it's an Azure service, right? So it lives in a subscription. It lives in a resource group. It, you know, you could. So all my Azure knowledge is sort of transferable. It is then. transferable. It's, like, oh, okay. it's bringing okay. best of both worlds, really. Um, and we do have the landing zone accelerators that realistically, um, they're kind of ready-made templates for customers, so infrastructure's code templates, or even through click-through portal experience that ensure that when you deploy that Azure VMware infrastructure, you're deploying in the best possible way following best practices, just like we would with any other landing zone, right? Um, and yes, there are things to consider there besides just um, you know, they're the key design principles to con to consider, right, in terms of access, security, where we are going to deploy and how, et cetera. Um, but realistically, what those accelerators do is, is really help customers make sure that they have the right sort of plumbing in place so that they when they start scaling, um, they don't hit any any um, issues Okay, so it's really it, it's it's adding that additional layer on top. It's not sort of my basic. The basic pieces are pretty pretty straightforward, pretty easy. It, that the landing zone is to make sure that my you know network security is right, my access management is right, and my UDRs are right, and those kind of those kind of things. Which which uh, to be honest are the most complicated parts, right, of of any deployment. Okay, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Okay, with that as well, it's um like exactly what Elena said. The spinning up an SDDC, once you click the button and you come back to it, it's done, you know, you grab your lunch, something. But where the landing zone accelerator expounds upon that is exactly what you said. It's everything else. It's like, okay, well, I need to access the vCenter. Where should my domain controllers be? Can I leave them right. on prep? Like, no, hey, you know, our recommendation, and you can see this from our accelerator code, is, you know, spin up some servers, make sure that it's closed, you know, create the connectivity to it, make it highly available. It's all those external things that you're gonna do in your day-to-day. -day. There are many cases where you land in AVS and you stay there, but then there are also the cases where, hey, at some point I'm trying to transition to Azure Native as well. Like I have 
you know, Azure NetApp files. I want to use an NFS solution. There's so many Azure services that I can now explore. And, you know, you get that agility. Um, it kind of takes a weight off of your shoulders because if you did have the AVS solution, you were trying to move that over. It's like, okay, I got to learn about the compute terms and I got to learn about the networking mm -hmm. terms and security group. But when you come into AVS, it's like, oh, I know it's a segment. I know it's a VLAN. I know, you know, these terminologies that I use on-prem. And then piece by piece, you can start integrating with those Azure native services. So we like to come in most scenarios that we see customers doing and using or people using in general when they use the Azure VMware solution. We try to cover those in a landing zone accelerator so you could uh, accelerate your landing zone. <laughs> so that's nice. So that means that you've kind of abstracted away some of the uh, underlying Azure specific components and put uh, standard VMware components on top of them so that it's familiar to uh, customers that are migrating over. Now, Sabina, you mentioned uh, ExpressRoute briefly uh, earlier on. I want to clarify. So the ExpressRoute, is that used to connect the, uh, the on-premises or the customer's location back into VMware? Is that what it's primarily used for? Yeah, it has a few use cases. That's one of them. So that's the first and foremost thing. Like, well, if I want to just connect to it, I'm gonna need a connectivity. So that's why the solution, it comes with the express route circuit so that you can connect it back to on-prem, but also connect it to an express route gateway in Azure. And realistically, it could be then peered with any circuit um, with global reach. That's you know getting a little bit more into the weeds, but as long as there's a circuit from some provider present, then you can peer to it. So. Normally when you're on-prem, you have to go through like a provider, like a, like a Megaport or AT&T or something, and you'd have to purchase it, and then you have to pay for their rates. The one that comes with the Azure VMware solution is not rate limited because it's coming from Microsoft. So it's not something that you pay for. Again, you click the button, you go get your lunch, you come back, it's there and ready for you to use and consume. It, and, and once I deploy these resources, um, you, you know, I know you, you talked about using ExpressRoute to connect um, different vCenter deployments, um, you know, in different regions, uh, you know, to have my data centers. Can I also, it sounds like I can connect through ExpressRoute, I can connect to other Azure virtual networks, but are, are my are my VMs going to be in the same VNet as Azure VMs? Or the, you know, at the end of the day, I end up doing some um, VNet to VNet connectivity to make, like, can I sort of interchange my Azure native stuff with my, VMware stuff, or do I, is there some challenges around trying to make those two things work, play nice together? They do play very nice together. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I think it's important to, to mention that Azure VMware solution does not live in VNet, right? So we, it, ah, okay. that's your purpose. Yeah, so it, it, all of the virtual machines that run on that VMware infrastructure will run on that uh, VMware cluster or software-defined data center, right? Um, so, but there is, of course, connectivity into, uh, you can connect into an Azure um, a virtual network and then effectively just plug that in into right. the rest of yours, your networking um, okay. uh, in, uh, to, to then communicate with whatever other so services acts, you need. It, so it acts sort of like another virtual network that I'm connecting to, even if it's not in, you know, it's not in my Azure VNet, but I can still connect between my Correct. resources and my Azure VNet with my VMware deployment at that Connect, point. Yeah, that, that's why it has that, that's why it has that, um, uh, 
Microsoft Edge, effectively. That's why they have yeah. that express route yeah. connection, right? So yeah. then we can surface that up to a VNet with an express route gateway. And from then, okay. it is exactly like you would normally use uh, an express route connection. So this is how then that opens some really powerful use cases um, when customers have migrated. Now they might want to start thinking about modernization. And one of right. the easiest ways to do that is to start augmenting your existing workloads with Azure um, services that uh, you know can can or even completely refactor right you're already there you're already testing your cloud processes and 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 workloads and everything else so it makes it a lot easier to then transform into the desired modernized state yep okay that makes sense yeah one question i wanted to ask because you you folks have have done this you know quite actively uh it sounds like and i guess the question is uh what should our listeners think about if they're like starting to approach this in terms of like planning i know there's like the landing zones and the accelerators and things like that but like from a subscription standpoint like is there like a kind of checklist if you will that they kind of go through that like here's how you get started um obviously that changes based on the size of workloads that they're moving and the complexity and things but I just wondered in general, like, how do people get started with this, you know, kind of thing? Mm, that is a very good question. And we actually do have a good sort of prerequisite checklist and, and a whole sort of getting started checklist there as well. But um, it's really very simple, like just to deploy that service in Azure, all you need to know is what region you're going to deploy in choose a region of your choice. In fact, I think Azure VMware Solutions is, is available in across most, if not all, Azure, um, Azure um, regions. Choose the type of a host that you might need. Now, these will be there will be availability depending on which kind of host, which host you choose, which host size you choose, because it obviously comes in various different sizes. Remember, we said it's a hyper-converged model. So you have your compute storage networking all in one place um it, it, we do have different different size hosts but once you th those are the realistically um and we can help customers of course along that journey but choose the region you want to deploy you've got um you need to have a subscription of course because it is it is an azure resource um you know resource group name decide upon a couple of things most important one would be the ip address space um that will be used in order to provision that uh, environment that service and you're good to go. That's really the bare minimum. Of course, with a the migration, there is some planning to come in place as well. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask about that. So I guess the next steps then is to copy all the, the files or the data from on-premises to, uh, to, your, to your new uh, service that you deployed in Azure and then repoint all the users to that new service. Is that kind of the next steps there? If the intent is migration, yes, that's right. So I think data center migrations are probably, I would say, our biggest use case have been, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so there are a variety of use cases that customers may need Azure VMware solution for. So that's anything from an entire data center migration to region expansion to maybe mergers and acquisitions. So if you need that extra piece of capacity or expanding another geographical location, um, disaster recovery in some cases. But yeah, if the, the, the most common intent is that quick migration to the cloud and in which case that's right uh, and we have the right tools and and um, ip to support customers through a successful migration yeah and and migration just moving data from one place to another 
anyone that knows VMware knows that that's something that they do very, very well. Um, they have superior products when it comes to that. One of them being HCX. You know, you can do your migrations in bulk. Um, you can do them in waves. You can do them online and live. You can stretch your networks. So there's a lot of different options um, to bring those workloads from on-prem over into the, the AVS cloud with minimal downtime. Another question I had is around like uh, security or like the identities of the things that are involved here, like with your existing maybe on-premises things and then the things that exist in the cloud. Uh, is there what's the flexibility? What's the story there around like how to maintain uh, proper security, but also like maybe as they're going through this migration, like they're migrating to something like Contra or or something inside the cloud. How, how does that work? Is it is it pretty flexible there? From like, hey, you can just keep what you were doing before uh, in in the VMware solution, or uh, is it like, you know, we have options for them to kind of move over to the more native things in Azure as well? Yeah, I would say it's a combination of both. Like if I had to put it into two sentences, I would say. Uh, don't boil the ocean and also keep your minds open. And the reason I say that is because, yes, there's a lot of services that we have available, but also realizing that one of the big bread and butters of the AVS solution is that a lot of tools that you have today, if I can name a few, like be real live operations and things that they use for monitoring, you're in a data center. You know, the tools that you use today, you can use tomorrow. Now that sometimes bring conversations about licensing costs and things like that. Like, let's say you're using a third-party backup solution, and then you look at, you know, something like maybe Mabs, that might be a better option for you. So you have that freedom of, hey, if you know, even if day one you move everything and you keep it as is, because we have that connectivity now built in and so easy and seamless to turn on, you could just start experimenting with different services. And a lot of customers do see, a lot of people do see that they're able to, you know, port things over. Like instead of maybe paying for an F5 load balancer, I'm going to use an Azure load balancer. It's simple enough. It can see my VMs. I get a public access and I'm good to go. So there's a lot of different options. So you can keep things as today, but, you know, we have security frameworks and security assessments. So there's a lot of things that you can do in terms of options to have still that efficiency when you get to the cloud. So I hope that I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that was good. And, uh, you know, just uh, maybe a high level question on the relationship with VMware, because at least I've been, uh, you know, at Microsoft long enough to know that, you know, VMware is kind of being like a competitor almost with Microsoft. And as you said, even now, You've got things like NetApp, uh, so they're you know, competing products, which is fine, right? <clears throat> uh, but how's the relationship like being uh, with uh, VMware? How supportive are they of this new service? You know, if there is a problem, do they get involved? Does, does you know someone from Microsoft get involved? Like, how does that handled? Mm, well, I can honestly say uh, I, I I really enjoy working with VMware. You know, I think we have a great relationship with them, and you know, the same thing with NetApp as well. You know, we're all working to the common goal of customer success. And there hasn't been a time that, you know, we've reached out to VMware. VMware is so integrated into a lot of our processes when it comes to like documentation and peer reviewing and making sure that we're up to date with features and things like that. Um, it's a very, very seamless relationship. The main thing that we want to highlight for customers is that they are using an Azure product. So when they're creating support tickets, they don't have to go in and necessarily get like a VMware license to put in support. They're going to put in support with Microsoft like they would do any other um, 
uh, Azure service. And if at any point there's something that's very, very in the weeds of like the VMware hypervisor itself, we all three, we have the resources and the relationship to still treat that as a Microsoft support ticket to get that resolved. So I don't think they see any division. It's all one holistic product, one holistic team working to the best solution. And that's my experience. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my experience as well. Uh, I think, yeah, you can call it a true partnership. That's really awesome. Yeah, I, I just wanted to. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I wanted to kind of wrap up here. I mean, it's been great to kind of talk through, you know, what this offering is about, what you guys have been working on. And uh, I just want to throw it out to the other guys if you have any other questions or if there's anything from you guys as well that you want to talk about um, as we wrap this up. Sajit, Evan, anything? Oh, this is good. I, it, I think yeah. your, 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 com your question was super critical, you know, around this is really a, what we used to call it, what, co-op? Co what are we, co-op? Co-competitive? I forget. There was some amalgam of those. Co-opetition, co something like that, right? <laughs> like, this is a really good example of really where, yes, we're competing with them. But at the end of the day, this is about making our mutual customer's life easier. And it sounds like it's a really great path for folks that are, that are you know, already on and using and very happy with fair. But they want the benefits of the infrastructure pieces, right? Nobody wants their own data center if they can help it, but they want to keep VMware, which makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I've learned more about VMware being with Microsoft than I ever did when I actually had to manage uh, VMware. <laughs> all like, I was just like, you know, where's my life gone? Like all these years I've been using VMware and no one ever invited me to VM Explore until I got to Microsoft. <laughs> That's probably a good sign. Probably a good sign. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I just want to get ahead and say again, thank you to Elena and Sabine for coming on and educating yeah, our listeners you. on this. And uh, obviously, if you have any links or anything for uh, our listeners that would help them get started, we'll put those in the show notes. And uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.